Matthew's first days as one of Jesus' disciples were busy, to say the least. We heard his call story last Sunday. He was minding his own business, working at the tax booth, when this wandering teacher showed up unannounced and said, follow me. Matthew did, and the following afternoon and evening proved to be a whirlwind of activity. Jesus got into a dispute with a group of Pharisees, and then he healed a woman of a condition that had been separating her from her community for 12 years. And to top it off, he raised a young girl from the dead. That was all before bedtime. And things didn't exactly slow down in the days that followed. On the way out of town, Jesus healed two blind men and cast a demon out of another. It's been a busy week with one glimpse after another into the depth of human need all around. I have to imagine poor Matthew's head is spinning a little bit with everything that he has seen, all that he is just beginning to learn. And then in a rare moment of quiet, Jesus looks at the crowds, all these people, struggling with challenges and hurts and systems and events beyond their control. They're like sheep without a shepherd, he says. They're like a flock with nobody to tend them, beloved people of God in need of direction and care. So he gathers the disciples, all of them, and he says, let's pray for all these people. Pray for others to join me in seeing that their needs are met. So the disciples dutifully bow their heads and close their eyes. And Jesus says, Lord, we pray you will send out workers to help in your great harvest. Amen. It's a short prayer, and Matthew and the other disciples kind of sit there quietly for a minute, wondering if Jesus is going to say anything else. And when he doesn't, Matthew opens his eyes and raises his head. And do you know what he sees? He sees Jesus looking right at him. Whoa, 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 I imagine him saying. Wait just a minute here. What a reading for a baptism Sunday. Today our community surrounds Charlize and Katamila at the font. Baptism is one of the very best things that we get to do as a congregation. We proclaim God's unconditional love for these two children today. We declare the promise that God will be with them through everything they will experience in life. God's steadfast love and faithfulness are there for them, the grace in which they stand, no matter what. Baptism is pure grace, pure blessing, pure joy. Like I say, it is one of the very best things that we get to do as the church. And it is also the beginning of a journey. It's a little like the story that we read last week. Jesus looked Matthew in the eye and said, follow me. And today he looks Kata and Charlize in the eye and says to each of them, follow me. We noted last week that following Jesus is a constantly surprising endeavor. It involves loosing our grip on our plans, being open to unexpected encounters and turns in the road, being willing to be led in directions that we would not have found on our own. And the surprises keep coming today as Jesus sends his disciples out for the first time. So far, all 12 of them have basically been kind of tagging along, watching what Jesus is up to. They've been watching the way that he speaks to people, the way that he listens, 
the way that he heals, they've been learning. Some of them for maybe a few months, some of them like Matthew for maybe a few days. They've seen a lot already, but it's all still pretty new, this proclaiming the kingdom of God stuff. So when Jesus suddenly says that it is time for them to spread their wings and fly, to go out and do this on their own, I have to imagine there were just a few objections. Like, hold on, Jesus. We don't know how to do what you're doing. Don't we need some more training, some more qualifications, maybe a class or two in how to cast out demons? You can't mean us. You can't mean me. There's no way I can do all that. How about we just sort of keep praying for God to send some other workers for that harvest? I imagine one protest after another when Jesus says he means to send them out into the towns and villages all around to carry on his work on their own. But the gospel says something very interesting right here. It says that Jesus gave them authority to do this. Authority is an important word in the gospels. In fact, it is one of the chief complaints that's brought against Jesus by those who are in power time and time again. By what authority is he doing these things? By what authority is he healing on the Sabbath? By what authority is he telling people their sins are forgiven? At the heart of that complaint, I think, is the concern that Jesus is engaging in things that aren't really his business. How can he be acting in ways that contradict long-established tradition? He's not qualified to challenge the law. He's just a peasant from Nazareth. It's not his business. How can he be declaring that sins are forgiven? He's not qualified to speak for God. He's just a poor, untrained, traveling teacher. It's not his business. Of course, Jesus believed that it was, in fact, his business to challenge tradition when it was getting in the way of showing mercy. He believed it was his business to declare sins forgiven and to lift burdens of guilt and shame. It was his business to proclaim and enact God's love and justice, to show what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes near. He had the authority to do just that. So when the gospel says Jesus gives his disciples authority to do what he did, to cast out unclean spirits and to heal every illness and disease. I think he's saying, this is your business. You may think it's not. You may think you're not qualified or that you don't know enough or that you're not right for the job somehow, but you have a part to play. Joining in God's work of healing and liberation is your business because I say it is. What a wild thing to say to a bunch of newbie disciples don't you think? And what a wild thing to say to each of us. Because I imagine, no matter how long we have been part of the church, that most of us are also pretty good at coming up with our objections too. The needs are too great, Jesus. I don't know how to make a difference in all that is broken, all that is hurting in our world. I don't know enough yet. I don't have enough training. I'm not qualified. I'm not holy enough or faithful enough or certain enough. I have made a mess of things in the past. I'm not worthy to be part of God's work. In one way or another, we say, it's not my business. And Jesus says right back, yes, it is. The harvest is great 
and the laborers are few, and I need you to be part of the work at hand. Healing and liberation is your business because I say it is. Jesus says that to us, and we say that to Kata and to Charlize today. You have a place in God's family, and because that's so, there's a calling on your life. The needs of the world are your business too. What a wild thing to say, and who knows where it might lead. Youth leader and author Mike Iaconelli remembers a call that he received many years ago from a longtime friend late one night. She was in tears and she was clearly worked up, and as she calmed down, the story began to emerge. Her son had called to tell her that he was planning to take off a year from college where he was studying to travel to Iraq. This was during the height of the war that began in 2002, and he had decided to be part of a peacekeeping team a nonviolent presence in areas of conflict with the hope that they could protect civilians and raise international awareness of the suffering of the Iraqi people. Mark's friend told her son, as I'm kind of thinking many of us parents might in a situation like this, that he had made a commitment to be in college after all, and this was no time to be stopping that commitment and engaging in politics. Mark asked how her son responded to that. There was a moment of silence, and then she relayed his words. But mom, he said, this isn't just politics. This is about following Jesus. We're going as a Christian group. Didn't you and the church teach me that Jesus was always befriending people who were weak and suffering? And she knew he was right, of course. This is what she and the church had taught her son all along. The church taught her son that healing and liberation were his business. And we teach the same to Kata and to Charlize. We wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't. We promise today to support these children like all members of our congregation with our prayers and with our accompaniment. We promise to welcome them as part of this community and to do our best to show them what following Jesus looks like. That's our role, friends. There is no telling where the journey that begins here at the font will lead for them or for any of us. What unexpected turns and twists it might bring. What is certain is that we don't go on that journey alone. We go with the support of a community, with the encouragement and guidance of one another, and with the Spirit among us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, says Paul. That is a promise for life, and it is a good word for a day of a baptism or any day, because love is always God's business. Always. Amen.